So imagine you come to your wife and you tell her, you know what? I want to go with my friends away for a weekend without her. And she says, sure, sure, you work so hard and you deserve some break, you need some change, go. I have no problem with it. Okay. Then, a little while later, you come to her and say, you know what? I want to go away with my friends for a week. And she says, sure, no problem. Please go. It's going to be so nice for you. I'm so happy for you. Great. Then, a little while later, you come to her again and say, you know what? I want to go away for a month with my friends without you. And she says, yes, yes, no problem. I'm so happy. You're going to have so much fun. It's so great. Wonderful. Then you will come to her and you'll say, you know what? There's a two-month trip I want to take. She says, no problem. Please go. I'm so happy for you. So you're probably thinking, wow, this is like a great wife. Imagine you come to your wife and you say, I think we should move. I want to buy a new house. And she says, yeah, you know what? If you want to buy a new house, let's buy a new house. And you're asking her, which area should we buy a house in? She says, whichever area you want, whichever neighborhood you pick, it's going to be fine. And you say, okay, what type of house do you want? Do you want a rancher, a colonial? Do you want a modern construction, modern style? What architecture do you like? What style? She says, you pick. I will be happy with whatever you choose. Then you ask her, well, what about the color? What color do you want? What size? She says, size, color, you decide. Then you buy the house and you ask her about the furniture in the house. And she says, you pick the furniture. You pick the decor, it's all whatever you want. So somebody might say, wow, that's a very good wife. She's giving so much freedom to her husband and she is allowing him to do what she wants. It's such a good wife. But I want to ask you if this wife lets her husband go for a weekend, for a week, for a month, for two months, and she doesn't mind his absence. Maybe that means that his presence means nothing to her. If this wife tells her husband, buy whichever house you want and I'll be happy, whichever style, color, location you pick, and I will be happy with whatever you choose, maybe she is essentially not living in this house. I mean, she is physically present there, but she doesn't feel like it's her house because it's her husband's house. She just happened to sleep there. She just happened to be there. So here is an interesting thing. We all want as much freedom as we can get. We crave freedom, but freedom equals being meaningless. Freedom equals absence of meaning. Why? If I will tell you, feel free to lift your hand or to put down your hand, this means that movements of your hand are meaningless for me. I don't care if you are holding your hand up or down. If I'm telling you that you can dress whichever way you want, that means that your attire is of no meaning to me. If I would care about how you dress. I would not tell you you could wear whatever you want. I would say, you know what, I prefer if you will put this on or that on. So we have an interesting situation that you guys probably know from your, from your recent life experiences. Nothing limits a person more than having children. Before you have a child, you could uh, peacefully sleep through the night and do every evening whatever you want. And now you have kids. What happens? You're up at night. You can't go out of the house whenever you want. You are totally tied to your child and your schedule is revolving around his schedule, right? 
But then at the same time, I hear so often that people say, once I have children, this is when my life has a whole new meaning. So many times I hear people saying that their whole meaning of their life is in raising their children, is in their children. So it is, having children is probably the most meaningful experience that people can have, but at the same time, it's the most limiting experience people can have. And by the way, same thing with marriage. A bachelor can do many more things than a married man, much more free. He's not tied to anyone. He doesn't have to check his schedule with someone else every day. I want to go on vacation, I'm going on, I'm going on vacation. I want to go to sleep early, I'll go to sleep early. I want to go to sleep late, I'll go to sleep late. Suddenly you have another person in your life and you are tied to her. So it is very limiting. But a family life is much more meaningful than a life of a single person. So we see that in America today, we are obsessed with freedom and freedom is a good thing. But at the same time, as we see, America is also struggling with absence of meaning in life. That's where the crisis of education comes from. That's where all the depressions come from. That's where all the societal issues stem from in big part. So people are starving for meaning. Why? Because they were so obsessed with freedom that they didn't understand that the more freedom you get, the more you throw away all the meaningful experiences. If a person is looking for ultimate freedom, he'll never get married. He'll never have children. He'll never get a job because job also ties you. But at the same time, when you produce something or when you offer a service that helps others, that would also very often gives your life a meaning. So we see that while freedoms are very important, we also need to make sure that we are not throwing out all the meaningful experiences with our search for freedom. And this is where we come to religion. A religion, especially such a religion as Judaism, has a lot of laws. The Torah is telling us how to wake up in the morning, how to wash our hands, how to tie our shoes, and how to put on our shirt. These are very limiting laws. When the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, was arrested in Russia for the second time, he was first arrested in 1799, and the second time he was arrested three years later, in 1802. And there were accusations brought against him, and these accusations were about his ideology, his theology, and one of them was that he wrote this crazy book called The Code of Jewish Law that describes what a Jew should do every single day, every single step he's taking. The Code of Jewish Law is telling you how to dress and what to wear and how to eat and how to sleep and all of these things. And the accusation was that it's totally crazy. You cannot live like this. The judge, who was obviously a Russian not Jewish person and probably never saw a Jew in his life before this case. I believe his last name was Ladigin. He listened to this entire accusation. He listened to the presentation of the attorney who was speaking against the, the Alter Rebbe. He reviewed the Code of Jewish Law. And he saw that it is true. And then he said, wow, such a wonderful religion that allows you to be close to God even when you eat even when you dress, and even when you tie your shoes. In other words, God is telling us how to tie our shoes, and how to dress, and how to eat, and how to sleep, 
because he says, I care about how you tie your shoes. I care about how you dress. I care about how you eat. God cares about every little part of our lives. That's why he directs it. If I have a religion that doesn't tell me how to eat and how to sleep, that means that my eating and my sleeping is void of spirituality, void of connection with God, void of godliness. I can bring godliness into my eating, into my dressing, into my sleeping, into my walking, into my talking. Why? Because God tells me how to do it. Because he cares about how I do it. And when I do it, I bring him into the picture. I'm partnering with him when I'm walking and talking and eating and sleeping. So Judaism is insisting that every movement, every step you take can be meaningful. You should not have any moment void of meaning in your life. And this is why we have so many laws about every little part of your day and what you do and how you do it. So this is why we have so many laws about every part of our life.